Okay. We'll go ahead. Part 6 of Romans. And we'll finish the chapter. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 32. Um, and we'll read the section and then get into it. Uh, starting in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because of that, when they know God, knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Um, in verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So in this section, Paul is beginning to prove how all men are guilty before God. And he's starting here, I believe, back in the beginning, once Adam had sinned in that beginning stage there, such as like Noah's time and uh, that age. I don't believe he's dealing with his present day in Rome. And we'll see that with some of the words he uses. But uh, he's beginning this section uh, in verse 18 through about the middle of chapter 3 where he's going to be proving that all men are guilty before God. In this section, he's beginning with those in the beginning. He'll deal with the Jews in chapter 2 and the Gentiles in chapters 2 and 3, showing how all are guilty before God. All are sinners. Um, but of course, the wrath of God is revealed. Notice it says, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It doesn't say ungodliness or the ungodly men, but it's ungodliness of men, right? Because all men are ungodly. Without Christ, right, we're all sinners deserving of hell. So notice that it's of men. It's not specific men, it's everybody is included because he says it's of men, the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Um, he's not saying just certain ones. It's all they're guilty. Um, he says, um, that which may be known of God was manifest in them. So notice here the word them, and as you go through here, you see him using them, they, there. He's speaking to a, a certain group, right? And so there's some debate over who this group is, but those words, they, there, 
he's speaking to a specific group. And I believe he's dealing with in the beginning from when Adam sinned in that beginning part there. Um, but he says, uh, it was manifest in them. And in verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world were clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So from the creation of the world, it says that there was things clearly seen, right? Uh, being understood by things that are made. Uh, when you study creation, it's clear that it didn't just pop into existence, right? There's something out there that created it, right? That's clearly seen when you study it out. Um, the more you study science, the more you see this, right? It gets more complex, and there's no way it could have just happened. Uh, I was listening to one guy, and he thinks, he says here recently, uh, they're starting to reject evolution and Darwinism, and instead they're saying possibly aliens put life here. Because the, the more you study it, it's clear that right, it had to come from outside of here, right? And so this guy thinks in the next 5, 10, 15 years, it's going to be a bigger conversation. You're going to be hearing it more in the news and things like this that they're going to be saying, well, maybe evolution isn't completely true. Maybe aliens put us here, right? But it's, it's clear that, right, you study creation. It had to be created. It had to come from somewhere outside of us. And of course, uh, even though he's dealing with those there in the beginning, I believe, it can still be applied, applicable to our day and age, right? The people that say aliens put us here is because they reject God, right? If you reject evolution... The next alternative would be, well, I guess God created it. Well, they don't want to say that. So they're going to say, well, maybe it was aliens, right? Aliens put us here. Uh, and when you think about it, Christians don't sound so dumb, right? They want to say something, some force out there greater than us put us here. Well, that's what Christians say, right? But we submit to God and his power. They don't want to do that, right? They want to do what is right in their own eyes. But I just thought that was interesting, um, how they God was saying he feels like people are going to start rejecting uh, evolution in the coming years. Um, but creation shows, right, that there is a God. You study it out, you can clearly see that something had to create uh, what is here and that it can be understood. And it says here that um, also the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, right, there are invisible things that we can't study, which shows the power of God as well. Um, but it says here that they were they understood it. Right, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So again, notice that word they. So he's speaking to a, a specific group. And he says they're without excuse, right? They could see creation, they could study it out and know that there is a God, but they choose to reject him. So they're without excuse, right? Because they didn't choose to search out this God to learn who he was and what he wants of man. Um, also, again, I believe it's recent from creation, right? I believe it was in Adam's time, Noah's time. So I feel like they probably would have had a better understanding of that creation, right? Adam would have passed it down to his children and them to their children. It was more recent, right, the event of creation. And so I felt like they were more with that excuse than even today, right, because you didn't have the evolution in these theories back in this time, right? It was fresh from creation. They just chose to, uh, to reject God. And so they are with that excuse, just as we are today. Um... And of course, again, that word they, right, speaking to a, a certain group. And so he says they're without excuse, right? You can clearly see God in creation, but yet they still rejected him. So with the, they're without excuse. Uh, verse 21 through 25, um, he gives this because, right? He's now going to explain 
why they are with that excuse. Uh, he says, because that when they knew God, so they knew God, but they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So they knew God, but they glorified him not. Again, being close to Adam, right? You have people like Enoch walk with God. You have people back there that did walk with God, but the majority of people didn't. Even though they knew God, they simply did not want to glorify him, right? They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They didn't want to submit to that God. Um, they were also, uh, if you go to Genesis 3.8, Adam, in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So I believe this was probably something that Jesus did often. And again, we don't know how many days Adam was in the garden before he sinned, right? But it seemed like God came and communed with Adam, right? He would come in the cool of the day. And after Adam and Eve had sinned, they hid from him, right? Because they were now ashamed of themselves. So they hid from God when he came down. But if Adam had that knowledge, right, that he walked with God, knew what God wanted, no doubt he would have told Cain and Abel. And you see that in chapter 4 when they're offering the sacrifices, right? Abel knew what to do. So they had the knowledge of God back in the beginning, is my point here, right? So they were with that excuse. They just simply chose not to glorify God. Um, but you can see Adam and Eve sin here. Um, Satan tells Eve, he says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so their sin was, right, pride, rejection of God. They wanted to be as gods, okay? They wanted to do what they wanted to do, right? They didn't want to submit to God. So they knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God, as that all-powerful, right? They wanted that for themselves. Um, and again, you read Genesis 4. Cain, right, he disobeys God. God says if you do well with the sacrifices, right, you'll be accepted. And he just chooses to reject, right? He kills his brother because he was jealous of him. Um, Lamech, Lamech in the same chapter, in verse 19, it says, Lamech took unto him two wives. Well, God only created one for Adam, right? He created one wife for Adam, Eve. Well, this isn't far after, right, Adam's sin. This isn't far from creation. Lamech's picking two wives. Okay, that's not what God intended. And so you have this sin here in the beginning. And then also in verse... Uh, 23 and 24 said, Lamech said unto his wives, Adda and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So when Cain killed Abel in this chapter, God puts a curse on him. But he says, if anybody harms you, I'll curse that person. And so Lamech here, he's boasting, well, I killed a man too. So if... Uh, Cain's going to be avenged seven. I'll be avenged 70 by sevenfold. So he's like boasting in the fact that he murdered someone. And so again, you have this sin there in the beginning, right? It's a wicked time. And of course, in the days of Noah, uh, when the angels came down in verse 5 of Genesis 6, it said, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So again, this is a very wicked time. I believe this is the time that Paul is speaking to. Right, he's starting in the beginning, showing how all are guilty before God. And so they became, without excuse, because of their rejection of God, right? They knew God, but they didn't want to glorify him. They glorified him not as God. Also, it says in Romans uh, 1.22, neither were thankful. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. 
when you become unthankful, right, you become less reliant on God, right? You don't think about him as much. You're not uh, there giving him praise, right? That's part of what thanksgiving is, right? You're praising God for what he's done, acknowledging who he is and the blessings that you have from him. And so in this time here, right, they became unthankful. They didn't glorify God, neither were they thankful to him. Um, in verse 25 or verse 23, it says, They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Um, you think about the foolishness of this, right? Again, creation, you can see that God created, right? You can see something had to create the earth that we live in. But yet, you're going to take and make these images of creatures. So instead of worshiping the thing that created the cow, you're going to make an image of a cow and worship that. Okay? Uh, this is... This is uh, Right, it's foolishness is what it says here. Right, you're changing the glory of God and make it into something that's corruptible. Right, whether that's gold, silver, whatever you're worshiping is below God. Okay, and again, in the context here, he's saying, right, you could see that there was a God in creation, but you're going to worship the creation instead of the creator. And it's foolish, it's foolishness. Um, so you have them changing that uh, glory of God and worshiping the creation instead. And so because of these sins, it says that they became some things. They became vain in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened, and they became fools. Um, in verse 20, um, verse 21, it says, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. If you turn to Ecclesiastes, that word vain means empty, right? It's vanity. It has no, no meaning. So their imaginations became empty, right? There was no meaning to their imaginations. Ecclesiastes is somewhat of a depressing book if you read through it. It's Solomon writing and basically saying all the life is vanity, right? There's no point of life without God because that's what he concludes. If you don't have God, then your life is vain, right? And so... There in Romans 1, Paul's talking about these people who rejected God. Right? Their imaginations became vain. It became empty. Their lives became empty because they rejected God. Uh, but Ecclesiastes 1.14, he says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He says, I've seen all the works under the sun, and their vanity. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.19, he says, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man have no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. So again, without God, without the promise of uh, resurrection, eternal life, he's saying here, you're not above a beast, right? You're going to die just like that cow. Right? It's vanity. This is his point here. Um, Ecclesiastes 5.10 he says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Right? What shall it gain a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Right? What shall it profit him? Uh, that's what Jesus says. You can have all the riches in the world, but again, just like the beast of the field, you're going to die. It's vain. It's empty. Right? There was no meaning to it without God. Um, and then Ecclesiastes 12, 8. He says, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Right? That's his conclusion of life without God. 
if you get to chapter 12, verse 13, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So, of course, in Solomon's time, they were to keep the law of God. Right? So that's what he's saying here. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Of course, we're not under the law today, but we should still right, submit to God. We believe his word, realizing we're sinners. We trust in the gospel so that we can have that promise of everlasting life. right? And we fear God and worship him. Okay, without that, your life is vanity. And so that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. It's explaining how life is vanity without God. And so again, here in Romans 1, Paul's speaking of these people here, right? Once they rejected God, became unthankful, uh, worshipped the creature more than the creator, he says they became vain in their imaginations, right? Their imaginations were empty. It had no meaning, right? Because they had rejected God. And it says their foolish heart was darkened. In John 1... 1 through 9, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so the Word here is talking about Jesus Christ being that Word of God. Verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so this word, Jesus, he's the light, right? He has truth. He brings light, understanding to men. But of course, when you reject God, when you reject Jesus, right, you're darkness. Right? You're in the dark. And so here again, back in Romans, it says their foolish heart was darkened right? because they rejected God. They rejected the one who has light. And so um, verse 22, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So without that fear of the Lord, you're not going to have knowledge. Right? You're going to be a fool. And again, you see that in Romans 1. They're worshiping the creature more than the creator. All right, that's foolish. You're worshiping something less powerful. Right? You're more powerful than a bird or a cow or whatever they were worshiping. Right? You're more powerful than that piece of wood image that you made. It's not like it appeared out of heaven, this image, and you worshiped it. Right? You, you're the one that made it. Okay, you see how it's foolish thinking here, right? It's empty thinking. There's no point. So this is what these people became because of their rejection of God. Um, so verse 26 through 27, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. In verse 24, 26, and 28, you have God giving these people up. Um, this does not mean that God created them this way. As some Calvinists would teach, right? God predestined some to hell, some to heaven. It's not what it's saying. It's saying that they had a chance, but they rejected it, so God gave them up to their own lust. Basically, that's what it's saying. They wanted this, right? They rejected God. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And so God basically said, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to let you do it. Okay, that's what it's saying here. He gave them to that reprobate mind. He gave them up to their vile affections, right? To what they wanted to do. He was not going to intervene and save them because he let them choose what they wanted to do. 
Um, but it says for this cause, right, because they didn't want to worship God, they rejected God, God gave them over to their vile affections. Um, the word reprobate means abandoned to sin, disallowed, rejected. And, of course, this is everyone without Christ. Right? Without Christ, we're rejected of God. Um, Ephesians 5, 7 through 10. It says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Right? So those in Christ, you sometimes were darkness. Right? You weren't in Christ. You didn't have the truth. You didn't know the light. But now in Christ, you are children of the light. That's what he's saying here. But the point being, we were all sometimes in darkness. Right? Before we trusted the gospel right, and believed in Christ. Uh, we were reprobate in our minds, in our thinking. Right? Without the word of God, everyone is reprobate. And so here in this passage Paul's speaking of, these people rejected God. So God said, fine, be reprobate, basically is what it's saying. Um, God let them do what they wanted. Of course, this is man uh, without God's intervention. Um, God is the basis for morality, right? Without God in your life, what is your basis for morality? There really isn't one. Morality is now what I want to do, right? What's right in this situation? You're not basing it off of God or his word. It's, well, what do I think is right in this situation? Right Now you're doing what's right in your own eyes. Um, so God is the basis from reality, and this is what's going on here. Right? They start doing, well, what is right in this situation? What do I feel is right? right? You hear this a lot today. Right? Whatever you feel is right, just do that. Right? So whatever you feel. Right? Well, you, when your vain imagina- imagination is vain and your foolish heart is darkened, well, what you think is right is probably still wrong. Right? Because you're not basing off of what God has said. Right? You're not trusting in God. So this is what you have going on here. Right? They've been given up to this reprobate mind. They've been given over to their own sin. Um, Proverbs 12, 15. says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth, hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Right? The way of a fool is what's right in his own eyes. Again, this is foolish. You're just doing what you think is right. Uh, Proverbs 21.2 says, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. So even if you think what you're doing is right, and God knows your heart, right? he knows what you're doing, why you're doing it, whether you're doing it for the right reason. Um, but again, when you're given over to that reprobate mind, you're going to do what you think is right. And you're going to fulfill the lust of your flesh, right? Because that's what you're following. You're not following God. You're following your vile affections, which you want to do. Okay? Um, and we talked about that word ungodliness in verse 18 last week. That doesn't necessarily mean um, doing wicked things. You could be the most righteous, pure person and still reject God, and you're ungodly. Because you've rejected God. Right? And so that's what that word ungodly means. Those who do not hold the fear of God. Right? They reject God, even if they do good things. Right? They're still ungodly without God. They're doing what they want to do. Right? And this is uh, sin, of course, rejecting God. And so God gives them over to their reprobate mind because they don't want to worship Him. They want to reject God. 
Um, and so in verse 27, it says, For this God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lusts one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. The Bible is very clear that homosexuality is sin. Okay, this verse is one of those verses that says that. Right, it's clear what is going on in these passages. Um, when it says woman changed the natural use, it's talking about the sexual function of a woman. Right, it says she changed that. Right, she wasn't doing what uh, what they were supposed to do, what the natural use of it was. Right. Um, likewise, it says men with men. So the men were doing the same thing, uh, doing it together. Right, against nature, it's unnatural. It's not what God intended. Um, Leviticus 18.22 is another verse that clearly shows homosexuality is wrong. Leviticus 18.22 It says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. So here it clearly says, right, you shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. Okay, speaking of homosexuality. Right, it's an abomination to God. It goes against what he created. Right, you've heard the joke, he didn't create Adam and Steve, he created Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, the Bible is clear, though, what, clear what's going on here, and that this is a result of those given to a reprobate mind. Right, it's the result of those that reject God, that don't want to retain God in their knowledge, as we'll see here. Um, but it's also interesting, it says that at the end of verse 27, that those doing this thing, it says, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And so it seems like those that do this, they receive some type of recompense, some type of penalty uh, for their sinful actions. Um, I don't believe this is a direct judgment of God on people that do these things, but uh it looks like the structure of this sentence, right? God gave them to a reprobate mind to fulfill the lust of their flesh, and this lust of their flesh produces this recompense or this penalty. So you have some debate on what that could be, AIDS, which didn't really come around until the 1980s, but it could be some type of disease, right? This is their recompense for their sin that they're doing. Um, you think about uh, the natural use of the woman, right, is reproduction. So if you have women with women, men with men, what does that do to the human population? It ceases to exist. So that could be the recompense, right? If everybody became homosexual, we would all die off, okay? Um, which is interesting, going back to evolution, Darwinism, I think they're pro-homosexuality, which kind of defeats the purpose of survival of the fittest, right? I thought evolution was we do what we do to, right, succeed as a species, Right, to keep going, survival of the fittest. Well, if you're pro-homosexual as an evolutionist, that kind of defeats what you believe evolution is, right? Because you're going right, to uh, destroy yourself. You'll cease to exist as a, as a species. So it's interesting, right, how these people's thinking, again, that reprobate mind is foolish. It doesn't make sense, right? Um, but Galatians 6, 7 says you reap what you sow. And so these people doing these sins here, right, they're reaping some kind of recompense for that sin. Um, but going on, verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, again, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. 
Um, and so it's kind of a play on words here. Uh, they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge, or they rejected God, so God rejected them. That's what this verse is saying. Uh, one commentator put it that they judged God unworthy to keep in their knowledge, so God gave them over to a mind that cannot judge. So again, it's like their mind, right? It's not right thinking. Again, they're doing these things that there's no meaning to it, right? It's vain. It's, uh, in the end, nothing happens of it, right? It's this vain thinking that's a mind that can't judge properly, right? Can't make good decisions. Again, going back to like Darwinism, what I just said about evolution, contradicted itself to be pro-gay and also say we're doing what we can do to be survival of the fittest, a species that will become stronger and keep going on, right? It doesn't go hand in hand. This thinking is flawed, okay? So this is what God gave them over to, to this reprobate mind. Uh, they rejected God, so God uh, rejected them. He says it rejected them, gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This word convenient means befitting or not fit. So things that aren't fit to do, right? Wicked things. Um, and in the next three verses, Paul lists 23 sins, uh, which I have on the back side of your page. Verse 29 through 31, you have these 23 things. The first is unrighteousness. They're filled with all unrighteousness. Um, and of course, there's none that do right. All are wrong. Uh, Psalms 14, 1 through 3. about how they are none righteous. It says, The fool have said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Right? And Paul quotes this in Romans 3. Uh, actually, but there is none that do right. Right? We're all unrighteous before God. Uh, fornication. This is a result of idolatry and infidelity, right? It's the opposite of faithfulness. So in a marriage, right, you commit to be faithful one to another. Fornication is the opposite of that. First Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Right? The will of God is that you abstain from fornication, right? That you be faithful to God and to your spouse if you married and have that commitment, right? So fornication is a result of idolatry, right? You reject God, where you no longer have to be obedient and faithful to Him. You can do what you want to do, right? And God talks about Israel, how they committed idolatry with Him, right? They rejected Him and went and worshipped other gods. So that was fornication in a spiritual sense, right? Rejecting God, not worshipping Him, and going and worshipping other gods, right? We always think of it as in the physical sense, right, in a marriage, but you can also do it in a spiritual sense, right, rejecting God and serving things lesser than God, right, the creation versus the creator. Um, but it's one of the sins here that Paul lists. Uh, wickedness, which is basically any departure from good, right, you're falling away to evil, you're crooked. Um, also, looking at uh, some other people that, like, go to the Greek, they said wickedness and maliciousness are kind of the same thing, but wickedness is acting upon 
or doing wicked things, whereas maliciousness is more thinking about doing wicked things. So they're kind of similar, but one is doing and the other is thinking about doing it. Um, but covetousness, this is idolatry, right? You desire to obtain some ungodly thing, right? You covet things of the world. Um, Colossians 3, 5. Right, you're not content. You're covetous. Colossians 3, 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right, you're coveting. Again, you're not content with God to worship Him. You want more and more and more. This is covetousness, right? It's idolatry. You're trying to get things of the earth. Um, I think it's in Timothy, Paul says, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? You're content. Uh, you're not trying to pursue things on earth. You can focus on worshiping God right, and doing His will when you're content. Um, full of envy. Um, this is very similar to jealousy. But Proverbs 27.4 When you're full of envy, or it's more than just jealous of someone, especially the way we think of it today. You can be jealous but not be uh, harmful to them. Proverbs 27.4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? So to me, envy implies right, more of a rage and actually acting upon that jealousy, doing harm to that person right, because you're jealous of them. Um, so that's uh, envy, being full of envy. Murder, of course, we know what murder is. Seeking to kill, right, premeditated. Unnecessary wars, abortions, right? These are murders. Um, it's not necessarily in the military, right? When it says thou shalt not kill, it's talking about thou shalt not murder, right? When you're in war, there is killing there, but it's not murder. Um, deceit, of course, this is half-truths, white lies, Right, it's anything that's not 100% the truth. It's deceitful. You can tell half the truth or part of the truth and be like, well, I told the truth, but I didn't tell them everything. And therefore, you deceive them right? because you didn't tell them all the truth. Right? This is sin. Right? You're being deceitful. Even if you did maybe tell part of the truth, you just left out some of it. You say, well, I didn't lie. Well, no, but you were deceiving. Right? Sin. Uh, malignity. This is hatred, anger, desire to destroy, knock down. Uh, Matthew 5.22. It says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. And so it's in the context here, verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But Jesus goes on to say, right, if you're just angry with your brother without cause, right, you're in danger of the judgment. It's the same as if you killed him, if you're just angry with him without cause. So that's uh, malignity, right? Whisperers, you think about private slandering, gossip, plotters, busybodies. Paul deals with this in Thessalonians, people being busybodies in everybody's business, gossiping, right? This would be whisperers. 
backbiters. Uh, this is evil speakers. And that's whether behind one's back or not. Uh, it doesn't just mean, right, you stab somebody in the back, talk behind their back, but just speaking of evil of them, whether it's behind their back or in public, right? That's what uh, backbiter means here. Haters of God. This would be atheists, right? They don't want to think about God. They reject God. They hate God. Um, it can also be hateful to God. Um, despiteful. This is defiance of rightful authorities, disrespect, vengeance. That's what despiteful means. Proud. Of course, this would be pride, the first sin of the devil, right? He wanted to be God, so he tried to ascend above God, and God, of course, judged him for it. Um, but that's what proud means, right? It's talking about your pride, right? Trying to be more than you are, wanting to be God, do what you want to do, right? This is pride. Boasters, right? People that exaggerate themselves, right? Try to make them out better than they really are, right? You boast about what you've done, what you... Uh, who you think you are, right? Often it's a flawed view of oneself, right? Uh, building yourself up over others. In Philippians 2, 3, it talks about... Um, uh, quite wrong, right? Talking about uh, looking after the needs of others over yourself. Preferring others. That's the word I was looking for. Preferring their needs over your needs. says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Right? So don't be a boaster. Esteem others better than yourself. Um, inventors of evil things. Uh, wicked imaginations produce evil inventions. Right? Not every invention is bad, but people who are wicked in their imaginations and their thoughts, people that reject God, will no doubt invent evil things. Or may take inventions and use them for evil. Right? Uh, Jeremiah 19.5. This is an interesting verse. Where it talks about God didn't even consider the wickedness that these people did. He didn't command not to do it because it didn't even come to mind that man would do this. Um, Jeremiah 19.5. It says, They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it unto my mind. So these people have this god Baal, and they're taking their sons and burning them as a sacrifice to this false god. And God says, I didn't command them not to do that because I didn't think they would do it. Right? It didn't even come to my mind that they would be this wicked. All right, so it's interesting. Uh, but vain uh, imaginations, evil imaginations, will invent evil practices, evil inventions. Uh, disobedient to parents, which was a serious offense to God the Father. Um, in the law, it could be worthy of stoning. Um, Leviticus, or go to Deuteronomy 21. Verse 18 through 21, it says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him... Will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of his city, and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This is our son, is stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard, and all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. 
this was in the law. Um, and you think about Adam and Eve as the children of God, right, being created directly by God. They disobeyed God. God being their authority. And so that's what children disobeying their parents, what that represents. Right? It's that disobedience to your authority, just as right, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And so God right, has strong judgment against that. And of course, it's not saying that if you disobey your parents, you get stoned. Right? It says that here in the context... A stubborn and rebellious son who will not hear the voice of his father or his mother. And even after they chasing him, he doesn't hearken to them. So again, this was under the law in Israel where they had to be right righteous. You have this son or a teenager or whatever who he won't listen to his parents. No matter what they say, no matter what they do to him, punish him, he's going to do whatever he can to rebel against them. Won't stop. That's when this judgment was what they were supposed to do where they take him out and stone him. Because it was clear he was not going to, right, worship God or listen to his father and mother. And he says, put the evil away from the congregation of Israel. Right, again, they were to be holy people before God. Um, so it's not like, you know, go clean your room. Well, I don't want to. I'm going to get a stone and stone you. Right? It's not what, it's, what it was saying, right? Go get me a rock. It'd be like, you know, I expect you to be working on the farm. Well, now I'm going to burn the farm, you know? This rebellious spirit, no matter what you do, they uh, still disobey. Um, but disobedient to parents, without understanding. This is an interesting sin that he lists here, without understanding. Um, ignorance is curable, but not this sin. In Romans one twenty two, it says, they profess themselves to be wise, they became fools. Right? Without that understanding. They may have understanding in the world, or think they do. But again, if you don't retain God in your knowledge, you reject God. Again, you don't have that proper understanding. You don't have the light. Right? Everything you do is going to be wicked. You're going to have these vain imaginations empty. Right? And so you're without understanding. Um, and with 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about the spiritual things can't be understood right, by the law because they don't have the Spirit of God to help show it to them. Covenant breakers. These are those lacking faithfulness, right? God is faithful. Covenant breakers, again, represent unfaithfulness. You can think about marriage. You make that covenant, right? If you cheat on your wife or um, wife cheats on her husband, right? This is a covenant breaker. You even think about your word, right? If you promise to do something and don't do it, that would be a covenant break, right? If you made that promise to do something. Without natural affection, um, this is not only sodomy or homosexuality, but also other unnatural worldly passions, right? Um, so it can be more than just homosexuality, anything that goes against right, natural uh, passions. And placeable cannot be persuaded, appeased, or satisfied, discontent, right? That is what implaceable means. You can't be persuaded or appeased or satisfied. You're implaceable. You always want more. And then unmerciful, uh, and this was a problem with the hypocrites that judged in Israel, Right, where you have those verses, judge not that you be not judged. Um, you think about the woman uh, that committed adultery and they bring her before Jesus and says, the law commands us to stone her. What do you say? And of course, he says, he, with, he that is without sin casts the first stone. Right, these judges were unmerciful. Right? Oh, you committed a sin, we're going to stone you like the law says we can. Well, the law also wanted them to have mercy on them. Right? Offer it. This way you have the sacrifices and things like that. Of course, the hypocrite judges, the Pharisees, were wanting to stone these people, 
when they had sins in themselves, right? So they were unmerciful. Um, so that was the problem with them. But these are the 23 things that Paul lists. And of course, a lot of people come to this passage and they preach on it for us today. And it can be applied, right, in today's day and age. Uh, but Paul's point here is to show that since the beginning, back there in Adam, those people were without sin, right? They knew God. It was clearly seen in creation that there was a God, but they just chose to reject Him. They chose to worship the creation over the Creator. Um, they became unthankful to Him. Their imaginations became vain. Their heart became darkened, right? God gave them over to that reprobate mind, and they fulfilled their vile affections, right? The lust of their flesh, doing things that were against nature, right? Unseemly, right? Their judgment was flawed because of this, because of God giving them over to their reprobate mind. And of course, they were filled with all unrighteousness, doing all these things that we just uh, went through um, because of their rejection of God. In verse 32, it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So it says, who knowing the judgment of God, this is interesting, because apparently they knew the judgment of God, that sinners were going to be put to death. Right? It says they knew the judgment of God, but they just simply don't care. They're going to do what they want to do and not only do it, but they're going to have pleasure in doing it, knowing the judgment of God. Um, if you know that you're going to be judged, wouldn't you turn to God and ask Him for forgiveness? Wouldn't you think that's what you would do? But again, these people were so uh, wicked and rejecting of God that they just simply didn't care. Right? They enjoyed what they did, knowing that uh, God had commanded those who did these things would die, right? And so they rejected God altogether. They are clearly without excuse, which is Paul's point here, right? These people are without.